0: Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold, the sports car market podcast. Market experts and car friends for over 30 years, Keith Martin and Mark Green have come together through their mutual love for collector cars. Keith and Mark will take you on a ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so that you know when to make your own decisions to buy, sell, or hold.
1: Hey, I'm Mark Green from the Cars You podcast.
2: And I'm Keith Martin from Sports Car Market.
1: Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold, the essence of collecting. This is show number five. So how are you doing today, Keith?
2: You know, Mark, the sun is shining. I'm looking at Mount Hood out my window. It's a glorious day.
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, we had blue skies here yesterday, I think, for the first time in two months. I'm up in the Northwest like you, but I wish I had your sunshine today. It's a little gray, but... It's not wet, so I'm not going to complain because I woke up on the right side of the dirt this morning, as my dad (laughs) used to say. I think that's good. Well, we've got some fun coming up this weekend. I should say you do. I'm not able to join you this year, which a little bummed about, maybe next year. But you're about to set off on an adventure to Florida, right?
2: It's Amelia Island weekend coming up. It's its 25th anniversary. Last year, I missed it because of my stroke. And this year, I'm going back. I'm a judge. And uh, I will be in the sports car market booth, and I'll be signing copies of our yearbook,
1: uh-huh.
2: oh, which Putnam cool. Leasing has, uh, has, going to have a bunch of them at their Gooding booth, and I will be there uh, signing those books, so I'll be seeing people on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Well, this is an incredible event. Of course, our uh, debut guest here on Buy, so Hold was uh, our good friend, Bill Warner, where he talked a lot about the market and also about his event. I want you to let our listeners know who maybe are going to be attending for the first time. Maybe you can let us in on a couple secrets of Amelia. What does somebody who's never attended Amelia before need to definitely do so they don't miss out on anything?
2: Well, Mark, by now it's it's really too late to get a room there. You know, the the rooms at the Ritz are all taken up by the Concor and so then people spread out all over the island. But it's it's if you don't have a room by now, it's going to be tough. You might be staying in Jacksonville. For next year, you should be getting your room now. Yeah, (laughs) everything. Do everything early. You know, be out on the concourse early by ten o'clock. There'll be nine or ten thousand people on that field. On Saturday, there's cars and coffee, and then there's another car show right across the street. There, go out early to that as well. Just don't get in a rush. Take your time and enjoy the situation, and take lots of pictures.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I always encourage people when they go to, especially new shows, walk up and talk to the car owners and ask wonderful questions, because I tell you what, they'll love to tell you everything about their car. And I guarantee you, everyone you speak to there will tell you things that you probably never knew about that particular car. They'll tell you the stories that the car has, because they all have stories. I I really encourage you, because the thing about car people, and you know this, Keith, is it's not so much the car show, it's the people show. It's the people there, right?
2: Well, the cars make the stories. I'm a I'm a real believer that every car is the key to a magic kingdom, and only that car will let you into that particular kingdom.
1: Well said. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for those of you who are fortunate enough to attend, make sure you walk up and see Keith. Say hello. Tell him you love the new Buy, Sell, Hold show. Uh, We're working very hard to bring you some really special guests. Today, we're going to be talking with Philip Richter. Those of you who read Sports Car Market Magazine will know the name because he's a contributing writer. Uh, He has Turtle Garage. He has some wonderful stories to sell. But even more importantly, he's a lot on the money side because his day job, if you will, is a holding company and finance company. So Philip's going to be coming to join us in just a minute. We're going to take a little break, and Keith and I will be right back. Here's another buy, sell, hold special offer. Do you love knowing what the collector car market has done when it comes to values? Of course you do. The Sports Car Market Platinum Auction Database puts 31 years of auction results right at your fingertips. On your mobile device or your computer, no matter where in the world you are. With nearly 300,000 records, that's right. $300,000. Three hundred thousand. It has the information you need to make an informed decision on that oh-so-important classic or vintage vehicle purchase. You'll receive all this for a mere five dollars and fifty cents a month. That's less than the cost of a sandwich. As a buy, sell, hold podcast listener, use the code plat fifty. That's right, p-l-a-t fifty to get this special discount. Just go to sportscarmarket.com/slash. Platinum 50, and the cart will automatically discount your order. Plus, Platinum subscribers also receive access to the full library of back issues of Keith Martin's Insider's Guides, a valuable resource for anyone in the market for collector vehicles. That's sportscarmarket.com slash Platinum 50. Get your discount today. All right, we are back. So, Keith, who are we talking with today?
2: We are talking. Talking to a very good friend, uh, a great writer, and an enthusiast, Philip Richter.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Philip Richter is the president and co founder of Hollowbrook Wealth Management, LLC. Hollowbrook is a leading SEC registered independent wealth management firm that manages and advises capital on behalf of families, foundations, endowments, pension plans, and individuals. He serves as a trustee of the Prey Family Foundation, and he is also treasurer of the United States. Equestrian Team Foundation and sits on the board of directors of the Hampton Classic Horse Show and the United States Equestrian, equestrian I should say Federation, a different kind of horsepower than I'm used to. Philip is chairman of the Lake Placid Horse Show and sits on the board of Wide Point Corporation, a New York Stock Exchange market listed publicly traded telecom company. He's also avid equestrian show jumper and has successfully campaigned his horse on the A circuit for over three decades. Philip is a contributing writer for Sports Car Market Magazine. Those are regular readers of that great magazine will recognize who he is. And he's a vintage car and motorcycle collector. Philip's also the founder and publisher of a very cool publication, Turtle Garage, which you can find online, a weekly journal focusing on collector cars and motorcycles. So, hey, Philip, welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold. How are you doing today?
3: Oh, Mark, I'm great. I'm, I'm happy to be invited uh, to this project. It's It's exciting to be here.
2: So, Philip, if you could describe the collector car market in one word today, what would that word be and why?
3: Keith, I think that word would be selective. The market has become decidedly selective over the last 12 to 18 months. And I say that because if you go back and you look at the 2008-2009 financial crisis, uh, the Federal Reserve here in the U.S. Uh, made some decisions uh, in, in interest rate policy uh, that were that were highly abnormal and and pretty unprecedented. So interest rates went virtually to zero. The Fed started printing money in what they call quantitative easing, and what that did is it flooded the whole financial system with liquidity, and and assets of all shapes and sizes and colors went up and up and up over the last decade. So. Real estate in certain geographies, Andy Warhol paintings, Ferraris. I mean, look at what GTOs have done in some of the, the, the higher-end Ferraris. I think people are stunned when they look at the prices of these cars. But what this did is, in the car world specifically, a rising tide lifted all the boats in the harbor. And what we saw over the last 10 years is a lot of rising prices for cars that possibly didn't deserve that kind of valuation. Sure, the model may have been a great car, it could have been fairly rare, but the condition wasn't great, or the car had paint work or there was a terrible story behind it, or it had 12 owners. But nonetheless, it still got bid up to very high numbers. I think the market's changing, and you can feel it, that provenance uh, matters, low mileage matters, paint work matters, having a full documented history matters. And so you're seeing a bifurcation of the market where really high quality cars are still fetching big money. But the other cars that are lesser in quality, that don't have the provenance, that have high mileage or haven't been maintained properly, they're not getting the bids. And I'll I'll give you an example of this. Just at Scottsdale, at the Gooding auction, we saw a 1990 Mercedes 190 16-valve Evolution 2 sell for a whopping 434 thousand dollars. Now, in a normal world, I'd say uh, the world's gone mad. This is crazy. But today, that's a that's a market correct event for this car, given its rarity, but moreover, given its condition. This car has under seven thousand six hundred kilometers from new. It had long-term ownership. It's been maintained. There's no stories. It is unequivocally the best one in the world. And this is a pretty rare car and, and demographically right in the fairway of what collectors want to own now. Now, you can look at another outcome that just actually occurred at Bring a Trailer for the same car, but that car had quite a lot of miles on it. It wasn't in pristine condition. It is a good driver car. Uh, but that car sold for half the price, more than half the price, it sold for 199000 So you, you see in that example, the perfect example, and it's very current, that shows that that quality is breaking out on the high side, but cars that don't have those attributes are really going to be held back. I would have argued a couple years ago, maybe two years ago, the bring a trailer outcome might have been a little bit higher But I think the market's being selective. So to answer your question, long-winded way, uh, selective. The markets become selective.
2: So, Philip, today we're going to talk about three vehicles in your life and the stories that go with them. One you've purchased, one you've sold, and one you will never let go of. Let's start with the buy, the year, make, and model of a vehicle that was very special to us, how you chased it down, why you bought it.
3: Yeah, well, Keith, there's there's a great story to all three of these. Uh, the memorable buy was my 2009 SL65 Black Series Mercedes-Benz. Um, this is a car that I first met walking down the street on Park Avenue in New York City, uh, right around 55th Street, where Mercedes-Benz used to have a retail showroom. And it's no longer there now, but they had a retail showroom and you could actually request if you bought your car at Mercedes-Benz Manhattan, you could take delivery of the car from the showroom. So there's always cars in there that had bows around them, roses, and people would come pick up their cars and drive out of there and be in the city and and a pretty neat marketing uh, tool. But I was walking down the street in the height of the financial crisis. This was early in 2009. And there I saw it, this silver SL65 Black Series with a big sold sign on the window. And I stood at the corner of 55th and Park with my head against the glass of the showroom, drooling all over myself like a little kid staring at this car. And I'd never seen anything like it. It looked like a DTM race car. But it was sitting in the showroom in New York City. So it had to have been, you know, a legally imported car. So the first thing I did is I I picked up my then very new iPhone because that was shortly after the iPhone came out. And I called my friend Scott Coleman, who owns a, a, a fabulous dealership, Mercedes dealership in Little Silver, New Jersey, contemporary motor cars. And I called Scott and I said, Scott, I'm standing here staring at this car. What is this car? Because I hadn't read anything about it in the press. And Scott said, oh, Philip, Philip, that's the ultimate. That's the SL65 Black Series. Well, he got one allocated to his dealership, which he sold. But he told me the whole story behind the car. And from that day forward, I was in love. And I had to own that car. That's really the beginning of the story, but but it then goes forward six years from there where I actually found one to buy because that car went through a rather normal depreciation curve for a very abnormal car. In other words, the car lost more than half its value in the secondary market over the next six years. And you look at the production stats, they made 350 of them. Only 175 came to the US. They were all hand-built uh, by AMG at They Their carbon fiber, the whole suspension is redesigned from a normal R230 SL. It has a carbon fiber fixed roof, giant flares. The turbochargers are all different in the V12 AMG motor. All kinds of bespoke things that are 100% unique to that car. I would say that car is probably the lowest production, most bespoke Mercedes-Benz that's been made in the post-war period. I mean, uh, other than, let's say, an aluminum aluminum, uh, alloy body gull wing.
2: How did you come to have this car in
3: your ownership? So I've been looking uh, for a black series, but ironically, a lot of them had been driven uh much like used cars. Some of them had quite a lot of miles on them. I mean, for a car of that nature, you know, a lot of miles would be twelve thousand, fifteen thousand. Some of them had twenty five, thirty, forty thousand miles on them. And I just I'm the kind of guy, since I'm an investor, I love deep value and I can I have the patience to wait for the fat pitch. So I waited and waited and a car came up in California that sadly the owner who was a software genius had a fortune at near Stanford University he died he was a younger guy and his brother collection, which was about uh, I think it was about six cars one was a Tesla the other was um this black series and uh well we struck a deal on this black series car and it had 1800 original miles no paintwork. And it's this beautiful graphite gray, metallic gray with black interior. It's it's a breathtaking car. And the thing about the Black Series, which is, I think, why I'm in love with it is because it reminds me very much aesthetically and performance-wise as a 959 Porsche. And so I you know I, I I made a deal with the guy. I bought the car. I shipped it out east, and it took me six years to find it. And I still have it. And uh, it's a wonderful car to just even look at in your garage. Uh, you don't even have to drive it, <laughs> although driving is fun.
2: And do you think do you think Philip that you bought it at the right point in its depreciation curve?
3: You know, Keith. With all humility, I think I nailed it. And <laughs> you think you anyone... stole
2: it? That doesn't sound humble, <laughs> yeah, Philip. But it. it's okay. And you can brag on I, this show. <laughs>
3: Well, you know, people who know me know I'm not the kind of person to boast about something like that. But, but I really think 2015 was when that car hit its 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 absolute apex of the bottom of the curve. Uh, I think a couple have sold at auctions for well over list price, which was back then uh, the original list price I think was 308,000. So yeah, I think I I got a great deal. But but more importantly than the money, I got the right car. And Keith, you've, you've taught me about this and we, you know, you write about this on, on the page of the sports car market. It's all about finding the right car. Sometimes the price and the car don't align, but you've got to buy the car anyway, right? This was a lucky, lucky situation. And, and I couldn't be happier. And the car came with all the documentation, the original cover still ev- never unwrapped in the trunk. Uh, the salesman's card who I even called and spoke to, he remembered the car and, uh, it's a, uh, from a scale from one to 10, a car's a 15.
2: So, Philip, that's the buy. Now let's go to the other side of the coin. Tell us about a car that you sold, why you sold it and how you feel about the car leaving your collection.
3: Oh, Keith. So th- this is quite a story. I, uh, first of all, I don't sell anything. I generally uh-huh. keep everything that I buy. Uh, Turtle garages, busting at the seams with a lot of fun things. But I try to buy the best that I can afford. I do my homework ahead of time. I have a pretty strict uh, list of, of things where I will not compromise on, one of which is paintwork, originality, ownership history, all of those things that we've talked about. But back in 2005, I bought a really Unique car. And it was a perfect example, Keith, of overpaying for what you want because you found the best one. I bought a 1988 BMW E24 M6. It was a one owner car. It had 1,400 original miles. It was Cinnabar Red on Lotus White. And it had to be in 2005 the best one in the world, unequivocally. And I held my nose. And I wrote the check and I kept the car uh, up until um, two years ago. I enjoyed it. I showed it. I didn't drive it a lot because of its incredibly low mileage. I really enjoyed the car. And I, I know a lot of people say, well, how do you enjoy a car if you don't put miles on it? Well, I drove it a little bit, but I took it to shows. I shared it with people. Had a great, great time with the car. Had no intention of ever selling it, ever. And I got an email from one of my blog subscribers who saw the car on my blog. I list all my collection on my blog with photographs and this person who I I won't name, but this person really wanted this car and they wanted this car more than anything. And I, I said, well, look, thank you for your interest, but my cars aren't for sale. Uh, thank you. And I, I, I thank you for reading my blog and so forth. And I sent hit send and sent the email back. And this person came back at me and said, no, I don't think you understand. I'm buying this car. And so then I went back and I said, well, look, here's the thing. And it turned out this person wanted to buy the car for their fiance as a gift, as a wedding gift. And it would have been great. It's a car, I guess this person had and so forth. Well, I took him, went back at the person. I said, well, look, here's seven E24 M6s for sale. There were some good ones out there. Bring a trailer. There's one that had, you know, 60,000 miles. I said, you don't want my car. My car, this person's not going to be able to enjoy the car. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's an artifact now. And so a couple of days went by. The email came back. No, you, you don't, you really don't get it. I'm, this is, I want your car. So after consulting with some of my friends in the industry, many of whom are SCMers, I went back at this person with an incredibly stupid number, Uh, an embarrassing number. In fact, I think I used the words to that person because I said, I can't replace this car. I don't want to sell it. And once it's gone, I'll never, ever be able to have it again because there's not another one in the world like it it's a US spec car by the way in the last year which is the year you want long story short they replied done deal where do I wire the money and so i'm thinking this just is this is so bizarre it just can't be real and the following monday i get a call from Merrill Lynch and they said you know wire came through for your account and and this folks you know this is not uh, I, I won't talk about numbers but this is a pretty high quality house in suburbia in a normal <laughs> neighborhood, right? Like this is It was astounding, this return on this car. And it, Keith, to answer your question in earnest, do I miss the car? Yeah, I, I do miss the car. Do I regret selling it? I, I think at that money, I just could not say no. And it enabled me to do some other fun things. I finished off Turtle Garage. I added some to my motorcycle collection. I put some money in the bank and invested it. It all worked out. And I think the really important thing of the moral of this story is I enjoyed the car for over a decade. I was a good steward caretaker of the car. And I know this new buyer will do the same. They actually have a lot of low mileage M cars and are real, real enthusiasts. So I feel good about it. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know.
1: Well, uh, the moral of that story is there is always a price for everything, and if you really don't want to let something go, put a big-ass number on it, and you never know. You might just get it, just like our Wheeler dealer here did, Philip. We're going to take a short break on that positive note and uh, say thank you to our sponsors and a special deal that uh, Keith's team has made for you listeners. We'll be right back. Here is one of the country's finest automotive events that you should not miss, the Amelia Island Concord Elegance. Now in its 25th year, this multi-day iconic event takes place March 5th through the 8th at the Ritz-Carlton on the beautiful Florida barrier island of Amelia. You'll enjoy seminars, road tours, an R.M. Sotheby's auction preview, silent auction, a delicious banquet dinner, the Porsche driving experience and Saturday's cars and coffee at the Concord. with over 450 incredible cars and inspiring people. Then there's Sunday's main event, the spectacular Amelia Island Concorde d'Elegance, where you'll get to see 300 significantly historic vehicles. Roger Penske is this year's honoree, and there will be many past honorees attending who are the leaders and shakers in the automotive world. The Amelia Island Concours is a 501c non-profit foundation that raises money for North Florida and many national charities. Learn more at ameliaconcours.org. That's amelia dot org, and we'll see you there. I've been subscribing to Sports Car Market magazine for decades and it shows up like clockwork in my mailbox. Every month. But what about when I'm on the road? Did you know that digital subscriptions to Sports Car Market are just $2.50 a month when you sign up with the promo code DIGITAL50. That's less than a cup of coffee. You get 50% off regular price just for listening here to buy, sell, hold. Plus, digital subscribers receive instant access to a year's worth of back issues. And the exclusive Insider's Guide, including the 2020 Insider's Guide to the beautiful Amelia Island Concours. And all the spring auctions as well. No more boredom while sitting at the airport or on your flight. To get your Sports Car Market digital subscription at this discount, go to sportscarmarket.com slash digital50. Your order will automatically get you the 50% off. What a deal. Go and sign up today at sportscarmarket.com slash digital50.
2: So, Philip, that was an example of a vehicle where there was a number at which you changed the vehicle for cash. Do you have a car or bike in your collection where no number would be enough? And tell us what it would be and why you wouldn't let go of it.
3: Yeah, Keith, you know, uh, back in the early 90s when I was in college, when, when all of our love affairs with cars that we want for the rest of our lives generally starts, Mercedes came out with this outrageous sedan, and it was a collaboration between Porsche and Mercedes, and it was called the 500E. And the car hit me uh, just like a ton of bricks when I first saw it on the pages of uh, Car and Driver back in the early 90s. And again, 21 years old, I had to have that car. Well, time goes by. Still, you know, thinking about the car for years, seeing them on the road. They didn't make a lot of them. They didn't import a lot to the U.S. So you rarely saw them, but you knew what they were when you saw them. Big flared body, V8, hand-built by Porsche, the whole assembly process. And, um, I get my, my first job up in Buffalo, New York, out of college. And I, some of my great friends who live in Buffalo took me in because I had nowhere to live up there. And, uh. Lo and behold, what you know, one Sunday afternoon we're at the house at their house in East Aurora, New York, and this flatbed comes into the driveway, to the circle in front of the house, and it's unloading this brand new, which was then called an E500 because the final year 94 they changed the alphanumerics to E500. They unload this car, and I'm standing there just dumbstruck. It was like it was like a divine intervention. And it just landed in the driveway out of the blue. I didn't know it was coming. And it turned out to be my friend's uh, father ordered it and it was being delivered. And the car was sitting in the circle. And my friend's dad comes out of the house and he looks at me and he said, let's take this thing for a ride. And I got in the passenger seat and he put his foot so deep into the pedal of that car. And we sped down the, uh, the 400 interstate outside of Buffalo. At triple-digit speeds, and I just I turned to him and I said, "When you're done with this car, I want this car." He's the kind of guy who uh, doesn't get emotionally attached to his cars. He trades them fairly frequently, and so a few years later, lo and behold, I get the phone call, and he said, do "You want the gray, the gray 500?" I said, "Hell yes, I do," and I've had it ever since. And that car is nothing like anything in my collection. It has a lot of miles. I've driven it. I've used it. I've enjoyed it. But for whatever reason, and probably the build quality collaboration of Porsche and Mercedes, it's just immune to miles. It's powerful. It's tight. It feels like a turbine when you're driving it. And, uh, I did a, a pretty big cosmetic and, uh, and mechanical restoration upgrade on it about four years ago. So today, if you saw the car, it, it looks pretty new, although it's got 90,000 miles on the clock, but, um, that's a car. I will never sell. It's a car that's special to me. The history behind it, I knew the owner, know the owner, the prior owner very well. And it's a very rare car. There are only uh there are only three hundred plus or minus of the ninety-four models imported to the US in ninety-four. It's a beautiful car. So that's that's a car that's gonna stay in Turtle Garage as long as I live.
2: Philip, do you remember the very first time you got behind the wheel of that car, you realized it was yours and you drove down the road, what that feeling was?
3: Yeah, I'll tell you. When uh, when it got delivered, uh, the car had gone to Florida for a couple of years, and he used it down at his place in Florida. And when it got sent up to New York and I, uh, they unloaded it off the truck, And I got behind the wheel and I took it for a drive uh, around Turtle Garage in Bedford, New York. And it just Keith seeing that that big strong star on the hood and the heaviness and heft of the car and the power is such a great feeling to know it was mine. And uh, and and what was great is they took great care of the car, so it had all its service intervals. It had all the work done. It was always garaged. It was never had no paint work. I mean, it it was a great example. And when I bought it, it had. About 40,000 miles on it, which was nothing. And I've put 50,000 miles on it over the last, oh boy, well, when did I buy it? You know, a long time ago, many decades. So, you know, I've driven it. But yes, that moment in time, I'll never forget when it was mine.
1: Nice. Well, you already answered the question, but I think Keith has to ask Is there a price that you would let it go for that you don't understand? I'm buying it for the car price
3: well, you know that's a that's a great question, mark but you this car doesn't have the dynamics of my e twenty four m six it's driven it's a used car uh yes, they're rare, but you you don't there's there are plenty of them out there with much much lower mileage and much less use so the reason the m six was attractive to this buyer is again going back to quality was you know, it was a out-of-the-box new car with with no history, no stories. So I don't think I'd ever get a big offer for it. But if, if I did, I, I probably would not sell it, to be honest.
1: Well, let's move on to the ultimate collector car. This is the ultimate car that maybe you do own, maybe you don't own it, but it's a car that we like to say ticks all the boxes. Uh a car that you can use, you can enjoy the combination of great design, engineering, usability, and of course, that ever-present fun factor, what would that vehicle be?
3: Well, I don't know if it checks the boxes on the usability scale, but over the last six or seven years, there's been a car calling me, and I see it at a lot of shows. and I know they built a lot of them relative for Ferrari, but I think I, you just can't deny the fact that the Ferrari F40 is unequivocally one of the most outlandish, beautiful, and uh, and meaningful Ferraris of the modern era. And I say that because it has the, the giant wing, the bulbous flares. It has the beautiful design of a Ferrari 308 or 328, which I think is a, a beautiful uh, update of the Dino from way back. But it's also just all its own and it's a real race car, uh, with, with all the impracticalities that come with that. The other thing I love about the Ferrari F40 is it really truly represents the last chapter of Ferrari as Enzo's company. It was the last car that was developed under his watchful eye. I, we, I don't know how much, uh, activity he had with the car in its development stages, but he was still alive when they were developing the F40. The folklore goes that he got to drive the car. And I think that from a Ferrari history standpoint, it's such an incredible representation of his life and what it culminated into from starting with modifying Alfa Romeos in the thirties and robbing from Peter to pay Paul to race in the fifties. And then these beautiful cars he built in the sixties, these road going Ferraris, the race cars in the seventies and kind of the, the final, the final chapter, the final icing on the cake was the Ferrari F40, Mm -hmm. which I think is a deep value today in today's market, even though they built a lot of them. I I think the car's undervalued here. Uh, Many of them have been driven and used as they should have been, There are many with single digit or triple digit mileage, but I think that's, uh, that'd be my pick, Mark.
1: Nice. Well, we'll make sure we get one shipped out there to you. Do you have a color choice so we send you the right one?
3: (laughs) You know, most of them are the the red, the Rosa Corsa, Um, but I've seen a black one. I've seen a blue one. I would maybe love one that's not red.
0: Yeah. Just to be different. different.
3: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Very cool.
2: So, Philip, how do you think today's market has affected the
3: way that you approach collecting? Well, I think that kind of goes full circle, Keith. It just makes me hyper vigilant in being selective because I think you have unlimited downside if you buy something that is substandard. And I, that all goes, and this doesn't matter whether it's a VW Beetle or a Bugatti. It, it, it doesn't matter. You've always said, you know, buy the best car you can afford to buy. I, I always say, do your homework, get the facts, really study the history, ask questions, look at the provenance. I think, you know, for me, this world of low interest rates, this world of money printing, this world of ludicrous prices for apartments in New York City and and um, West Coast, Warhol
1: paintings, <laughs> yeah, West Coast, like the, the West Hollywood, Coast, you know, and, yeah, all these things. San Francisco.
3: Yeah. And even and even recently, the price of Tesla, you know, going up 20 percent a day and blowing past nine hundred dollars a share. I mean, all of these things are hard to make sense of. But what is what you are able to make sense of is quality. And quality will always be in style. So yeah. I, I think that, um, really being focused on being selective is the answer.
1: Always has been the answer, really. Uh- and, and, and
3: maybe, maybe one other point about that is it's also, it goes against human nature because we go to all these auctions and you just get so excited seeing all these cars there and people and you want to bid. And, but it has to also do with discipline and waiting for the fat pitch and knowing that, you know what? There, there is probably a better car out there. You just haven't met it yet, and you got to be patient. Keep your ears open and stay on top of it, and that car will find you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you heard it there, listeners, from a guy who manages a lot of people's wealth and money and knows how to make the best decisions. I think that's why we really wanted to have you on the show here today, Philip. And you've been so eloquent as you always, as you always are, and you've taken us on a wonderful ride. If you could uh, maybe hand off, and you've already given us some great advice, but one little piece of advice or wisdom when it comes to buying, holding, and selling vehicles, before we let you go, what would it be?
3: Well, I think it's, it's a fairly ironic statement, but I think you probably shouldn't do it for money. Um, I think if you buy, sell, or hold, you should really do it for passion and what you want to spend your time with, because all we really have left in this world is our time. And I want to spend my time with in the car world. I want to spend my time with the people and the cars that matter to me. And so I think when people get too wrapped around the axle of, of, um, you know, the values of cars and what's going to go up and I'm going to buy what's going to go up because that's going to go up. That's a different hobby than collecting. That's investing and that's speculating. And I think it's very hard to speculate consistently and win, but I think it's a lot easier to follow your gut and buy what you love, and enjoy it. And that when that happens, if the buy, sell, hold question comes up, it's really easy. Because you can say, you know, I'll sell it. I enjoyed it. I had it for 10 years. I'm being offered a great price. I'll sell it. Or no, I'll never sell that. I'm going to hold it forever. Or that car's calling me. I'm going to buy that F40 because of what it represents in Enzo's life and what I think about it and how I'd like to drive it and enjoy it with friends. So that's, I mean, it's a little bit contrarian, but that's my view. It's a great view.
1: What's the best way for people to follow along with you? We know that you write quite often for Sports Car Market Magazine, but also where can they find Turtle Garage?
3: Yeah, I mean, I just I just want to just say, you know, I want to thank Keith Martin in particular for, you know, helping bring me into this, this wonderful sport of car collecting and the car world and the media side and writing. I write pretty much a monthly column in Sports Car Market, depending on, on what the team there needs done. Uh, well, my
2: Philip, you've had some to, great, great cover stories, too. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's really remarkable what oh, Philip has brought you. to the Sports Car Market. Yeah,
1: I love him.
3: Well, well, Keith, I appreciate it, and it's been it's been really fun for me, and and a very meaningful relationship with you, and all the team at Sports Car Market, which is which is really a tribute, uh, incredible people that you've attracted to work with you, who are so dedicated to this publication. I, I do also publish my weekly uh, blog turtlegarage.com. It's an amalgamation of my love of collecting of of, of cars, motorcycles but also just the automotive industry in general and and the cathartic changes that are happening facing the industry with autonomous driving and ride hailing and electrification and all these things that are really gonna revolutionize the way we think about mobility 20 30 40 50 years from now so the, a the website read, is the uh,
2: listeners i would say philip because philip touches on the whole range of automotive evolution it's a very thoughtful overview because change is going to happen far faster than we can even imagine and philip is pointing at it
1: yeah absolutely and i'll remind listeners if you go to turtlegarage.com there's a cool giveaway that he has there that I, I think I had a little hand in, if I remember right. I,
3: I you, you sure did, Mark, and it's it's really fun. There's an In the Driver's Seat uh, digital book that you, you can download when you subscribe to Eternal Garage. That yeah. uh, is a collaboration, but I should say, really, it's Mark's doing. He, he uh, created it, and it's a very, very cool piece.
1: Make sure you check it out. Yeah, listeners. And, I, and I'll remind you of all the listeners that you can find links to everything on the show notes page for Philip on Sports Car Market Magazine's website where you can listen to the show. You can find it on my website, carsyeah.com. If you missed my original talk with Philip, you can go back to carsyeah.com and type his name in, Philip Richter, R-I-C-H-T-E-R, and that will pop right up. Philip, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise. This has been fun. Thanks for being our uh, guest number five here on Buy, Sell, Hold. That's pretty cool.
3: Well, I really appreciate being part of the sports car market family. And I, I think this podcast is a great idea because there's so many interesting people in our hobby and in our sport that have a lot to say. And I think this is a great platform for them to reach out and share their experiences, their knowledge, uh, and all the things that they know about this very colorful business
2: philip it's been great having you on and what you're stressing again is it's really about the people the cars are there but the cars make the stories and you're sharing them with us today is fantastic
1: we really appreciate it philip thanks for being here you bet we'll see you soon thanks hey mark green here if you love the buy sell hold podcast you'll want to listen to my cars yeah podcast we're over five years I've interviewed over 1,475 inspiring automotive enthusiasts. You'll have free access to my guest shows five days a week. These are amazing people who share their world around cars, trucks, and motorcycles. I take a deep dive into their businesses and they share with you how they've wrapped their passion for vehicles into their lives. Plus, go to the carsyad.com website and hit the free book button and I'll email you my free filler up book. It's an ebook filled with beautiful fuel filler fun and inspiring quotes from my past guests. Once subscribed, you'll get my weekly blog as well. You can find all the Cars Yeah! shows on CarsYeah.com or on any mobile device using your podcast app. Just search for Cars Yeah! Podcast and subscribe today. That way you'll get both Buy, Sell, Hold with Keith and me and the Cars Yeah! Podcast delivered right to your mobile device or your
0: computer. Thanks for listening. We hope to have shed some light today on the Collector Car Market. You can listen to all the Buy, Sell, Hold podcasts at sportscarmarket.com and carsyat.com. You'll find hundreds of inspiring automotive enthusiasts on the Cars Yeah! website as well. Be sure to log in to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe to Keith's SCM weekly newsletter. You'll find digital issues, insider event guides, and price guides, along with our platinum database, column profiles, classifieds, and many other resources. Join Keith and Mark next week to hear from another automotive industry leader who will help you determine when to buy, sell, or hold.